0: Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter.
1: Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to a special crosscast with the Creative Funding Show and Funding the Dream. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr. And I'm Richard Bliss. And today we're going to talk about Patreon. Uh, Richard, uh, you've been on Patreon. You were actually the first Patreon page I ever funded and backed as a patron was the Funding the Dream uh, Patreon page. You were on from the very beginning.
0: I was. I was on from the very beginning. It was one of those things I was looking at because I was intrigued by the idea that there would be a way for creative types to generate income from just doing what they love by giving away content for free, basically. And so, yes, it, it drew me in early on. Uh, as we get into the show, though, I have an apology to make to the audience. But yes, I was in early and uh, kind of excited by what I was seeing happening. So we're
1: on with an OG Patreon user uh, today, <laughs> but we should probably explain what is Patreon and how it's different from Kickstarter and Indiegogo because it's it's fundamentally different. I'd almost put it in its own category. So you have equity crowdfunding, reward crowdfunding, and then patronage model crowdfunding, which is kind of like a third separate It category. is
0: it is we have to come up with a better word than patronage because uh because it helps people understand it but yeah so f- i'll try my explanation you, you you're a little bit more experienced at this having uh, covered the area uh patreon is the idea that i can give on a regular basis on a monthly basis or on a per project basis i can give funds to a creative person who is creative content and making it available and then that happens on a recurring basis so that person can generate income based on them continuing to do this creative work. And oftentimes that creative work is provided for free. That Patreon is something that you just give out of generosity, gratitude, thanks. And then the other person continues to provide that content. How'd I do? Is that pretty close? That's good. Although Patreon does allow
1: you to have exclusive rewards. That's true. That's correct. So you are recouped for your giving you don't have to do that right just like on kickstarter the reward can be my special thanks but people like getting a reward and i I think the easiest way to kind of understand the difference is let's say you're a band and you release an album with 12 tracks on it every year you could fund that album on kickstarter once a year and you raise a bunch of money and then you do your recording and you get your money in this very lumpy form where it's A lot of work, a lot of money all at once, and then nothing for the next 11 months. With Patreon, instead, it would be, we're releasing a song every month, and if you pay your $1 a month membership, you get free access to that song, you get the special download or whatever the reward is, and at the $5 a month level, your name goes in the booklet when we do release the album at the end of the year, You know that sort of thing. And it can be the same money in this theoretical world, but the advantage I find of Patreon is that it's more even. You get the money in a more even way, and it's less work often than the huge launch energy that goes into a Kickstarter. And it's a little bit less stressful because last month's patronage gives you a good idea of what next month's patronage is going to be.
0: It does. And it also provides something uh, fundamentally different. And that is the way people perceive the money that they're, they're donating and receiving. And, and let me explain this a little bit. Um, when you do a Kickstarter or when you do anything that it requires a large outlay of, of money, you are dipping into a pool of funds from your fans that has a limited amount. And so if you do a Kickstarter this month for, and your fans back you at $50 and you do a Kickstarter next month, those same fans now are going to be asked to donate another $50. They're like, well, you know, I gave $50 already, um, but I might move that $50 to something else. And so you actually – if you come out with a book one time and then a mug the next time and then a, a game or a video, you're kind of causing them to choose and uh, this is this is critical because there is a finite amount of money amongst your fan base if you've built up a fan base. But Patreon kind of changes that, and the reason it changes that is because the amount of money being donated is now spread across the crowd, so that oftentimes it's traditional, it's a dollar or three dollars or five dollars a month, and that money is not viewed by your fan base as coming out of the pool of um, discretionary cash. And so it's a way for you to tap into a, a funding stream that's not impacting negatively on your backers.
1: Psychologically, it's just a part of the monthly budget. That's what you're saying. It's not the like fun money.
0: It is. And it's, it's a huge impact. And uh, this comes from me talking to, as I, as I introduced Patreon to so many people early on in the early years, one of those is a good friend of mine who's been on the show many times, Howard Taylor. And Howard's the one who explained this to me as we talked about his Kickstarter projects over the years, and I worked with him on that. Um, he talked about the fact that he does books, he does events, he does shirts, he does all these different things as he does an online comic strip. And he talked about that he has to limit and be careful because he is simply – not tapping into new sources of income, but he was simply swapping out what people were willing to pay for, but they still had limited income. When Patreon came along and I introduced him to Patreon, and he's up to four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 a month on his Patreon, that is thousands of fans giving a dollar a month. And I called him up and I said, is the same psychological impact happening? He says, absolutely not. They don't view that as an outlay of significant cash from their spending because it's only a dollar. And there's 5,000 of those people, but it's only a dollar. And so it makes a huge difference. That's why for me, Patreon was such a a significant change from the traditional crowdfunding because it was this small giving on a regular basis. And as you built up the crowd, the crowd itself was sustaining you very much uh, similar to advertising dollars from eyeballs, but a different way. So that's how I perceived it.
1: And imagine the psychological impact on Howard as a creator, knowing that the mortgage is covered every month kind of automatically and by default from this crowd. Like that's this huge safety net as opposed to, say, a Kickstarter campaign where it's like, I don't know if it's going to fund or not. Right. There's a lot more uncertainty there. Uh, where it's a little bit more stressful. It's more fun, right? It's more exciting as well, but it's also more stressful because he's not going to go from five thousand dollars a month to you know five hundred dollars a month in one month, right? No, like th- there's nothing that he could do really that uh, will probably anger his fans enough for them all to drop their patronage like
0: that. No, I, I'm capable of doing that, and that's what I want to talk about here in a minute. <laughs> but uh, no, not Howard. And it, you know, it's interesting because on my on this show on Finding the Dream. This episode of it because we're doing a, a cross cast right now. Uh, I recently had a guest, uh, that Jason Massey, who does dungeon and Random, randomness podcast, and he quit his job and now does full time as a dungeon master, a Dungeon Dragons dungeon master, because of Patreon. Patreon podcast is sustaining him so that he could quit his job and make a living doing something he loves and basically it's run a D campaign through a podcast patreon has changed the way that people can look at earning money and it's changed the way that we recognize giving money back and forth it's a great name patreon but it is it is another evolution of the kickstarter social economic impact that it's having on our society
1: That's right. And Patreon's not as revolutionary as you might think. Like in some ways, the idea of attaching the concept of patronage to a membership is revolutionary, but we've had membership plugins and membership websites on the Internet. For decades now. In fact, on a previous episode of the Creative Funding Show, I had um, Robbie Jacob Paul from uh, Digital Access Pass, which was just one of the very early WordPress plugins for you know, making people pay to get access to exclusive things on your website. Uh, everything that you can do on Patreon, you can do on Digital Access Pass on your own website if you're willing to do the work, right? Because it's very complicated. It's very powerful uh, and it requires, you know, setup and configuration. And, you know, it's a weekend project. If you're savvy, it's a week project. If you're not, whereas the advantage of Patreon is that while they do get a cut, they have everything set up for you. You just click sign up and you're off to the races. It's very simple interface.
0: It's simple interface. It's a simple method of uh, providing content, tracking, interactions. It has all the analytics in there. It's a very nice setup. And I think that's why I was attracted. I've been attracted to crowdfunding so early on is because it crowdfunding, as you said, has been around, you know, passing the plate on Sunday morning at, at church is crowdfunding, right? So it's been with us in a societal manner for, for as long as we know, it's just that money And asking and giving are so – such a taboo subject have been in our society that if I were to walk up to you and you knew that I worked in tech and I own a home and I got a car and then I – hit you up for 20 bucks to back my game or my project. In the past, I'd be kind of like, what are you doing? But now crowdfunding like Patreon and Kickstarter and others are allowing us to have a conversation. That's very different. I have this passion. It's outside the norm of what I'm wanting to do. Would you support me in that becomes a very normal way of doing it. And Patreon's a very easy way of saying, man, I'd you know, it's like clicking the like button. I'm going to click the like button for a buck a month. Okay. That's nothing. And that becomes Patreon. That's why I think the secret of Patreon has been, um, so why it's been so successful.
1: Especially if you're the second page, someone is backing on Patreon. So the first uh, creator somebody backs on Patreon, they have to create an account. They have to create a username create a password. They have to type in all of their credit card information. They have to be like really invested. But for the second person, all they have to do is click, click back. (laughs) Then they click the level and then they click yes. Like it's three clicks and now suddenly money is automatically going out. Uh, To you,
0: And there's a mathematical formula. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day at a book club about the mathematical formula, about the increasing value of that type of a network. Uh, He rattled it off. I can't remember it, but it's the same concept of when I get a telephone, I've added value to everybody else who already has one. When I get a fax machine, I, I sound like I'm old now and I am, but when I get a fax machine, I add value to everybody else who has a fax machine. And the same concept is that when you get a patron, when you get somebody to set up, if you have content that inspires somebody to go through those all those steps of put in the credit card and everything, you have brought value to all the other Patreon creators that are out there because you've just lowered the barrier for the potential for them to coming in. So it's kind of this collective bonus that everybody is benefiting from by putting content out there and getting yourself on Patreon.
1: Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the square of N minus one. That's what it is. Look at that. You're a smart guy. <laughs> so uh, the square of one... Uh, is one, or no, it's just a square of N, I think. It's actually, it's N squared. Yeah, you don't have to add the minus one. Uh, but it, anyway, it, the more people that are on it, the more valuable it becomes, and the more powerful the company behind it uh, becomes. And there's been some drama about... Patreon, but before we get to that, or maybe instead of getting that, I want to hear about your personal drama with Patreon, Richard, because I know you've had kind of a complicated story. I have on, on I, Patreon.
0: Tell tell us this story. Well, I love Patreon, and uh, and I am embarrassed, Thomas. I'm embarrassed because I got on Patreon early, and I had fans jump on board. You were one of the very first fans, and I had um, others get on board because I really wanted to make this work. I was very passionate about this from a, the impact in society. But then it's not that I got distracted, but I, I went through a divorce. I had to sell my house. Uh, my studio went away. All of these things changed. And I suddenly was not in a position to bring back or continue the content that I was giving to these fans who had been so generous. And then I got embarrassed because, well, I could have just turned it off, but I, it's one of those things where I never, well, yeah, okay, I'll go do that. And I never quite turned it off. And then was little by little fans dropped off. And one of them reached out to me, Brian, uh, who who and I, who reached out and he said, look, I was angry with you. Now, he's not angry with me now. That's the good news. Um, but I can understand that. And I, he said, you know, you kind of let us down. And that's not a guilt trip. That was a, a fan of the show who came to me and it you know, he, he was out what 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it was. But it was more of a violation of the trust and that I had let him down. And I recognize that. And, um, and so that's where mine comes from is that as I went through these life changes, I didn't manage the expectations of my audience. Well, and now I, and now I'm, I hate to say that I'm back. I feel like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you know, I'll be back, um, <laughs> but I'm in a position now to say, I'm sorry. And I'm going to do my best to, to make up for it um, with good content, being a, um, a conscientious host. And now be getting back on patreon to give my fans an opportunity participating and being part of that inclusive group the challenge is and i'm not saying i'm not going to do it is that it takes as you know it takes a lot of time to stay on top of these things and the good news is that because of the change of my work status as an independent uh, consultant now i have the time to focus on this and so the show has gotten back up to speed this episode The Patreon is now starting to climb back up, and I've had a few backers um, just recently starting to add to that, and so I feel encouraged. You know, I was up to I think the the peak. I was up to two hundred and sixty dollars a month as I experimented with it, and I think now it's dropped down to I think I have fourteen Patreon backers now, um, which you can see. You can go out and look, but it is embarrassing that I failed. And is how I feel about that. That and that's that's where that comes from.
1: Because one of the things you had your Patreon allows you to fund in two different ways. You can do it on a per thing basis. So you you pay per podcast episode or you can pay per month. And you had it on pay per month. And so while you were kind of on hiatus with your divorce, which I don't think you announced on the show. I did not. I don't think you ever said, yeah, hey, I'm going through a divorce. You know, cut me some slack. You just kind of went dark. Um, Which, you know, I, I get. But it was like people are paying every month and there's no content that's associated with it. Right. Know? And so it's interesting. I'm I'm pulling up your graph on Graftreon.
0: Thanks. I don't even know what that is. All <laughs> so, right. let me go grab- look.
1: <laughs> Graftreon is like the K um, it's like the kick track of Patreon. It's the ex- exact same sort of thing. It takes your Patreon numbers and it creates all kinds of cool charts. But it's got some interesting historical data. And one of the things that we see here is the power of Like recurring revenue and like while you did lose patrons when you weren't creating content, it didn't fall off a cliff. (laughs) Like you still um, were bringing in, you know, one hundred and fifty dollars a month, several months after you had stopped creating content. Um, And that's what I mean by Patreon being a really reliable source of revenue because people are not quick to cancel.
0: And that's why there's the embarrassment is that these people were paying me money for something I wasn't giving them. Um, And now I have to figure out how a way to bring it back. And I think the best way to bring it back is one is to be open about um, how I screwed up and two, to now go fix it so that I don't screw up again because it's been amazing. People, people reached out and apologized that they were canceling their Patreon. They apologized to me. I'm like, no, no, the apology goes the other direction. I'm apologizing to you, but the fans were so, and continue to be so um, appreciative that uh, I was, I was touched by that and I want to make it right. And then one of the other things is, is that with my show, and, uh, and I know you do a lot of podcasts, is that now I see this as an opportunity for me to not do it full time, but do it strong enough that I generate uh, benefit that people are willing to pay for. And it's not just an experiment. It's not just something I'm trying, but it's something that I'm dedicated to. So that's, that's what we're going to try. So there you go. There's my story a little bit. I don't like talking about it necessarily, but I felt that the, the fans and the, and the listeners needed some kind of explanation.
1: Yeah, no, and I think it's, it's good to do that. One thing you might consider moving forward is moving to the pay-per-thing model. Uh, kind of as like a promise to your fans. So like, hey, this will never happen again. If another life event happens and I don't release an episode, you won't be charged, and it's, it's that's a, a little possibility. More but here's the
0: here's the flip side of that, uh, Thomas, is that I'm now releasing two to three episodes a week, and so people will be like, whoa, 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 I didn't sign up for you know twenty twenty dollars a month, and so I think I'm going to stick with the month. I am going to stick with the month, and it's just going to be, um, as I tell people, whenever you go through um, an event that causes a loss of trust, whether it's a divorce, uh, whether uh, whatever it might be. Um, and in this case, with the Patreon, there's only one sure way of solving that, and that's with time. That over time, as you demonstrate a behavior that that people can now begin to trust that it will continue into the future. That's the only way to really overcome uh, that violation of trust. And so, for me, I recognize that I have to now put in the time so that the fans can say, "Okay, he really does mean it this time. It's not a bait and switch on us." Right? had to say that and and then and then we'll yeah, so that, that's where I'm at with that, so that 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 kind of makes that I think that's it's
1: good, and as people see those new episodes coming out and see the quality of those episodes, i think I think you will gain back that trust, but it will take time, and you'll bring in new people uh, there because there's always a shuffle right so people especially with crowdfunding, say so I've got a board game idea, and I want to do a Kickstarter campaign, and so leading up to that Kickstarter campaign, I'm binging. Funding the dream, right? I'm listening to all 200 episodes. Uh, and then I do the campaign and at that point. I'm like ready to teach Kickstarter. <laughs> I'm ready to teach crowdfunding. I'm not, I'm not as hungry to learn anymore, right? Especially after you've done two or three campaigns. Uh, you know, Maybe you'll keep listening, but maybe you'll listen to here and there to episodes. But there's a churn of new people coming in and they're using this to get up to speed. I definitely see that with my other podcast, uh, Novel Marketing. People come in to the podcast about a year often before their book comes out. And they'll listen until about a year after their book comes out. And then they've learned enough book marketing <laughs> techniques. And a lot of them kind of go on to other things and they don't necessarily keep listening. Some do. I mean, we've had some listen listeners from the very beginning but there's a certain amount of churn and the advantage of that is that you have new people who are you know rediscovering funding the dream they have no idea you had Seth Godin on back in the day right that you're a big deal they're just like oh it's a new podcast about crowdfunding that's cool and you have a chance to kind of start fresh with those folks
0: you do you do and then also I've gotten feedback from from folks who listen to all the episodes because. Some do a Kickstarter once every two years, and so then they've kind of listened to the show to stay up on it. And then others have sh- shared with me, again, Brian um, Rosender, who was on the show, that he enjoys the perspective of behind the scenes, that the guests I have on, he gets to talk to people that maybe he normally he wouldn't talk to, gets to hear things that normally he wouldn't hear. And uh, it's that kind of insights that people are in the industry. Because you know, my podcast covers a wide spectrum, but it does focus tends to focus on the board game industry because that continues to be one of the hottest growing um, areas of crowdfunding. And so it gives, I, I provide just a little bit more than here's how you do Kickstarter, but here are some things the impact is having. And one of my co- guests coming up will be the comic book industry and some in the film industry as well, as they continue to see success.
1: And for those of you listening on the creative funding show version of this crosscast, because this episode is going out to both podcasts. Here's the reason why you should subscribe to Funding the Dream even if you're not into board gaming and that is the board gaming community on Kickstarter has been the most innovative community uh, across all of the categories. They're the ones who invented stretch goals, right? That was not a thing until some board game came up with it. And and Richard, I think you had the original stretch goal campaign on your show or one of the really early ones.
0: Yeah. So some of those early ones, Michael Mendez, uh, with tasty minstrel games was one of the first ones to start to create those concepts. Yeah. He's, and he'll be on the show again. Uh, I, either who knows in the recording, I just recorded an episode with him again. Yeah. So a lot of the original folks who created the innovation. Um, and then when Kickstarter reached out to me and asked me to actually do a show that do a Kickstarter of my podcast back in 2012, uh, a long time ago, they confided in me that stretch goals, advertising, a lot of these different things were new to them. They'd never seen anybody advertise a Kickstarter campaign before. They'd never seen somebody doing stretch goals before. So the board game industry continued to innovate and continues to today innovate as it's, what is it, up to $150 million, $160 million last year of funding on, uh, on Kickstarter. So it's, it continues to be very successful. And then you're also starting to see it with podcasters and board game review people who are using Patreon, again, as a means of sustaining this 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 emerging ecosystem i call it the crowdfunding ecosystem or the kickstarter ecosystem that patreon is such an important part of as you're seeing more and more podcasts and video reviews of board games becoming sustainable or sustained by patreon and so you just continue to see this evolution
1: and it's interesting to see the how while kickstarter and crowdfunding have been changed by board gaming Uh, board gaming has also been changed by Kickstarter and crowdfunding.
0: Absolutely.
1: When I was a kid, I'd go over to somebody's house and they'd have Monopoly and Life, right? Those are the two games. Maybe Clue. Now I go over to somebody's house and they have Exploding Kittens. (laughs) I was like, wait, how did you have Exploding Kittens? How do you know about this game? I was like, oh, well, I saw it as a Black Friday sale on Amazon. like, why was it a big deal on Amazon? Because it had already sold millions of dollars on Kickstarter and had this huge uh, launch for a brand new game that's now become a phenomenon and uh like it's really shifted the way that people play board games and the a number of board games that people own i was at somebody's house the other day and they had gotten rid of their tv in their living room and instead they had like floor to ceiling board game boxes and i'm like this is this is a house i can get behind
0: (laughs) yes and as we talk about those board you're absolutely right because when we talk about those board games it 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 is transforming. There's. If you go out on the kick track, there's about 300 board game projects live every 30 days on Kickstarter. Half of those are going to fund. So 150 new board games on Kickstarter alone every month. And then the industry as a whole continues to bring out 1,000 more games every year. And what's happened is that Kickstarter – the reason I got involved early with this was because – I recognize that the influx of cash and capital into this system, this board game community, was going to have a major transformation. And now you have artists who have quit their jobs and can make full-time jobs doing artwork for board games. You have board game reviewers. You have board game rule editors. You have board game Manufacturers, an entire industry in China as uh, they've developed and, and developed over the years of board game components. You have the Game Crafter that does board games, print-on-demand board games, components, all the com- cards and art and rule books and a map and a board, and a box, and you can just hit a button and it'll print the game for you and send it to you. You can upload your own game. This entire ecosystem has come about because of the money that has been made possible through Kickstarter. Because the traditional method of getting a game through your Walmart, your Target, or your local game store is such a constrictive, it's like a blockbuster. You you could get access to a movie, but only the movies that were being carried in that store. Obviously, the web um, has made... Access possible, but Kickstarter and crowdfunding has made funding possible, so that now you have some amazing games. You know, I I have a new game. All, I hate to say almost every week in my house, and my fiance's like, "Okay, you got another one." The good news is she likes them, and I and I, if I buy it just right, she she opens the box. Punch, she likes punching and sleeving cards, and yeah. So, but yes, it, that's, it's like
1: Christmas because it's a game you bought two years ago or five years ago that finally shows up, and you never know when it's going to come. She stopped asking when I bought it because
0: I'm just like, oh, yeah, a while back, a while back.
1: You know, we're almost out of time, but I do want to kind of tie this up with a quick conversation about Kickstarter or Patreon or Indiegogo or Patreon because I don't feel like it's always an either or. I feel like one is a better fit for you depending on what you're creating. and And you may have some different thoughts on this, but from my perspective, if you are constantly creating – and you have a constant set of expenses, Patreon's probably a better model where you're constantly getting money. Uh, so if, like for a musician who's making constant music or for a podcaster who's releasing episodes all the time, I feel like Patreon makes more sense. Whereas if you have a big lump sum of expenses, right? I'm getting 5,000 copies of my game printed by Panda in China, at Panda Games in China, and I need you know $100,000 to do that uh patreon's not great for that right you're not going to get a hundred thousand dollars overnight on patreon. Um, but you could on Kickstarter where Kickstarter is really good if you like for the big surges, with, like if you're releasing a, a physical good that requires manufacturing into the world. And that doesn't mean you can't have both. And some people do have both. Like they're creating a digital thing, you get the digital thing and then the print version of that thing goes out on Kickstarter. But I feel like for most people, they're going to do one or they're going to do the other. Richard, your thoughts?
0: Uh, my thoughts are... I say this almost all, the, I say this all the time. And that is a uh, crowdfunding is not about having a funding problem. Crowdfunding is about having a crowd problem. You can beg, borrow, or steal money. Don't recommend the last one, but you can do it. But you cannot beg, borrow, or steal a crowd. And so the question then is, where does your crowd exist? And how do they perceive and interact with you? And if you've got a crowd that has been with you a long term, then, and I learned this from Amanda Palmer watching her TED Talk, give them an opportunity of saying thank you. And sometimes if you're creating content on a fairly regular basis, Patreon a perfect way for your fans with a minimal impact to them to say thank you, that they're able just to continue to give as you create something. When I did my Kickstarter campaign, I asked somebody who gave me at one of the highest pledges, why are you doing this? And they said, because the, the content you provide for free is so valuable, I will pay you money so that you keep providing it for free. There, that's a great way for you to stop and say, okay, am I providing to a, a fan base that I can continue to provide for over time? patreon or do i have the need of a large influx of capital to be able to create this thing kickstarter and so in some ways time and the crowd are the two things that will determine whether you're going to look at patreon or are we going to look at kickstarter and i'm going to talk kickstarter only indiegogo you mentioned it but i don't really don't go into indiegogo um there's some things about it i really don't like uh and It's just a personal thing. So I I focus on Kickstarter. I focus on that's where the audience is. That's where most of the folks who listen to my show are focused. And that's why I focus on Kickstarter.
1: Yeah. And one more thing to think about as you're talking about the crowd, which I thought was really good, is another question to ask, especially if you could go either way, right? You're the band that could release a song a month or an album a year, is ask the question, where are my existing fans already signed up, right? So if you're doing board games and you're targeting hardcore board gamers, they already have their credit card information on file with Kickstarter, which is why Indiegogo is not great if you're doing board games. For technology and some other things, Indiegogo can be really great. And I've had some really good success uh, with clients and with my own projects on Indiegogo. But never for a board game, right? Because the board gamers are exclusively and passionately um, faithful to Kickstarter. Whereas if you're a YouTuber and you're doing funny YouTube videos... Your, your people probably aren't on Kickstarter and they're not on Indiegogo, but they are all already signed up on Patreon because Philip DeFranco's there and many of the other big YouTubers are on Patreon. And so this, I think, is a good question to ask. In fact, even a survey, right? You send out a survey to your audience. One of the questions is, uh, where where do you have an account? And you just check the box. Check the box for Patreon, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and just find out where they already signed up. Because if they can give you money without typing in their credit card again, into a website it will be a lot easier to get money from that person yes absolutely great input
0: uh thomas we could talk forever <laughs> yeah we should we should
1: do this again sometime we do i do want to know uh, what you think of this crosscast a, a uh episode that's simulcast out to two different podcasts like it hate it uh let me know and let richard know It'd be very interesting if one of our fans bases likes it and the other doesn't like it
0: we'll have to figure out what to do it at that point we will it'll be interesting to hear what our guests have to say You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Thomas Umstutt Jr. from the Creative Funding Show. We've been doing a special crosscast, and hopefully you've enjoyed it and been inspired. I know I have. We've been talking about Patreon, and as I speak to Patreon, be sure to check check out my Patreon account, where you can provide support for this show. And also, if you'd like to talk to us about what you've heard in the episodes, you can visit us on Facebook, on our Facebook group, Funding the Dream on Kickstarter Facebook group. It's always a mouthful. Thanks for listening. Take care.